0: So, today is already very awkward, um, having a silent church, an empty church, no sounds of children's cries, no coughing, the stuff that can normally be a little, you know, like get you a little tense, you kind of miss now that it's gone. And I've always, you know, if it wasn't awkward enough, now we, have to, we also wear pink today, uh, so it's four guys alone in a church wearing pink, which is a bit bizarre uh, for me. I always wondered what it would be like. One of my great heroes is Archbishop Sheen, and he was, as you know, on the radio waves. And I always wondered what it would be like to be in his position, and now I feel it, and it's terribly awkward. <laughs> um, I miss the congregation. Today is Laetare Sunday, which uh, it comes from the entrance antiphon uh, today in the Missal, and that entrance antiphon starts with Rejoice Jerusalem, Laetare jerusalem So we rejoice today. It's a hard day to rejoice. It's a hard day to rejoice. But we are given one of the great gospels of the entire New Testament. And we're given this juxtaposition today within the readings between light and darkness. And that's why we wear pink. Because as light and darkness... As the light is overcoming the darkness in the morning, there is that pink hue in the sky. So too, as we approach the great festivities of Easter and when the light shatters the darkness in the resurrection, we are over halfway there. We are reminded of John's gospel in his, when he says the light shines in the darkness and the darkness will not come, overcome it. And I know I say this a lot, but this is seriously one of my favorite gospels. <clears throat> Try to imagine, just try to take a moment at home. See, this is where it kind of sticks. I, don't, I can't call on you. You can't raise your hand. I'm alone. So take a moment at home and just try to imagine what it would be like to be, not be able to see. Now, not that you've seen stuff and then you are unable to see. You have never seen anything. You have never seen the stars in the sky. At night, you have never seen a sunset in the evening or a sunrise in the morning. You've never seen the ocean. You've never seen your parents. You've never seen yourself. Imagine that. This is the plight of the blind man in the gospel. It says that he was born blind. That means he lived his entire existence in complete and total darkness. And we are meant to identify with this man. We have been born with a spiritual blindness. We call it original sin. But what we hear today is not just a miracle of the restoration of sight. I think it is something far greater. There may be something here that is deeper than what, no pun intended, meets the eye. What we have is argued by a few of the church fathers, which were the earliest theologians in the entire church, and there are three of the big ones, John Chrysostom, Irenaeus, and Clement of Alexandria. All three of these men argue the point of this word in Greek, it's called anablepo. And anablepo, blepo means to see, ana means without, and they argue that in the, in the, the Greek-speaking world, anablepo was often used not just for blindness, but for people that were born without eyes. And so what we get here is this whole—this is why John— Do you ever want—maybe you don't wonder this. I wonder this. Why did John give an entire chapter, an entire chapter to this man born blind? You remember last week we talked about the Samaritan woman. And that there was some deep spiritual truth trying to be conveyed. Because really, it's not that big of a deal. A woman and a guy meet at a well. Who cares? But for the entire history of humanity, it was teaching us something. So too, so too, with this gospel. And I want you to, with your families at home, okay? Again, you can't raise your hand, but with your families at home, I want you to debate very quickly because there's a space where Jesus says or there's a, a space in the in the gospel where it says that Jesus spat on the ground and he made clay talk about really quick with your family where else have you heard the word clay deacons good see we guys still can call on these they better know genesis right God takes the clay of the earth and he forms man, breathes the breath of divine life into man, and man becomes a living being. So too, Jesus spits on the ground. This is not some weird, you know, ritual, which he's smearing mud on the man's face. He spits on the ground, saliva being the life of Christ, who is the Son of God, and makes clay. He is about to do something that only God can do. Which is he takes this clay and smashes it, pushes it into the eye sockets of the man. And then tells him to go and wash. Now if you can't pick this up, and deacons you better get this. When he goes to Siloam to bathe, where else do we as Christians who are born blind bathe in water so that we may see? Baptism. These guys are killing it. I don't know about your families, but... I would be very disappointed if they didn't uh, get these right. Baptism. So as soon as he washes, he sees. Again, he comes back and everybody freaks out. Why? Because a blind man can see? No. Because a man without eyes now has eyes. This is a miracle of recreation, not restoration. And only God can create. And that's why the Pharisees are beside themselves totally beside themselves. The believing Christian sees differently. When we receive baptism, when we receive the gift of faith, when we have conversions, we look at the world differently. Nothing is by chance. Everything happens, and it happens for a reason. So what is God teaching us right now? As I look out at an empty church, as I look out at an empty parking lot, Eerily quiet in this city. What is God teaching us? I want to repeat just a bit of what I said on the Feast of Saint Joseph, because I assume more people are listening now. The mighty superpower that we call America, who is untouchable, so technologically advanced, so medically advanced in a matter of weeks has been brought to its knees that doesn't sound like a very powerful country maybe God's trying to tell us something that we've been blinded to for decades and so the question I have for all of you watching right now is how does it feel how does it feel when the world lets you down when the idols of America come crashing down. My friends, the birth of fear is found in our attachment to passing things, the things of the world. But now the things of the world have been taken away and we're left alone. The superficiality of our mundane things of the world has been revealed and its substance is wanting. People are left without sports to watch, sports to play. Many teenagers, I hope, who are watching this right now, your entire senior year has been taken from you. That's the world. Economy is crashing, bars, restaurants are closing. What's God saying? I think what he's saying is this. It's time to cultivate the interior life. It's time to go deep. It's time to look out at all of this that has been given to us and see the emptiness that it is. And to know, to know that even though, and it's a legitimate concern that communion has been taken away from you, Eucharist has been taken away from you, Communion with God has not been taken away from you. I don't know if you've read some of the great storytellers of the, the concentration camps of the Nazis, the gulags in Russia, the, the, uh, the Iron Curtain in the East, persecution all over the world. If you talk and read these stories, you will see that some of the greatest spiritual cultivation happened when they had nothing. Nothing. When everything was ripped away from them. When they were in prison camps. And we're not there yet. You can come here still. This is open. Confession is available. God is saying, let faith grow. Now you can deny it. You can drown it out with Netflix and video games and what's left of ice ice fishing. Whatever it might be. And by all means, get out. Hang out as a family. But my challenge to you is to enter in. And spiritual communion, which you will receive today. Spiritual communion is when you unite your heart with the heart of Almighty God. And we can do that every day, every moment of our life. On the Feast of St. Joseph, one of the biggest insights that came to me is, he was the greatest man of communion with the living God, to maybe ever exist except for our Blessed Mother, and yet he never received the Eucharist. That's something to think about. Our patron, St. Joseph, was a man of immense communion, and he never received the Eucharist. Did he have fear? You bet he had fear. He just knew where to go. He knew who to trust. And so when the fears and the panic awaken in your heart, And you feel that insatiable need to go buy toilet paper. Move, (laughs) let your heart move to the only one that can do anything about this. To the only one that can provide. To the only one that won't let you down. This world will let you down, and it will come to an end. You can be as healthy as you want, you can make it through this pandemic, you're gonna die. You're gonna die. And then what? Hopefully, this time is a time of cultivating faith in silence so that we no longer live in darkness, but we live in light. As anxiety and panic will continue to increase in our country, may we grow in trust and love of God, who alone is in control. So that we will not be blinded by fear, but we will see clearly as we walk by faith.